Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. I'm beginning to grow up in the Lord. I've been saved a long time, pretty long. I mean, you know, about 30 years, 30 years. And I was talking to Dr. Morocco uh, just last week. I've been so impacted as I study the word. I, I, I can't, honestly, I, have, I can't articulate the amazing, the amazing satisfaction and joy, fulfillment and honor it is to be your pastor. And then to get to, to get to, to get to study God's word to bring you something is utterly um, overwhelming to me. So I was talking to Doctor, who, you know, he's led this church for 42 years and was in ministry before that, grew up in church, and I said, Pastor, the Word of God. And he, he said, oh my, yes, yes, the Word. The book of Isaiah, which is so profound, is worthy of a lifetime of study. And I've really just begun myself. It's... Um, quite a book. Isaiah 54. Just three verses. Just three little verses. Are you ready? Thank you, Minister Toby. Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing. This is a New King James on purpose. New King James Version. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Father, we thank and praise you for your goodness towards us as we've been witness to so many miracles today, so much breakthrough today, for which we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and release living understanding, that you would illuminate our hearts, that what takes place here tonight, those online and those listening even in the future, the effects of it would be far-reaching even to eternity. I pray that you would silence the mouth of the accuser. I pray that you would release faith. I pray that you would touch every hungry heart, and those who aren't hungry, you would make them hungry. And God, we would be forever changed, us and our children, married couples, single people, the children, each and every one. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Does anybody know how many books of the Bible there are? I'm sorry, how many? Very good. Does anybody know how many chapters of the book of Isaiah there is? 66. 
Does anybody know how many Old Testament books there are? Excuse me? 39. Is that, does anybody know how many New Testament books there are? You can do the math. 27. 20. You guys are crushing it. I see people with their phones out. 66 minus 30. That's 27. The book of Isaiah has 66 chapters. It's fascinating that it takes a turn at the 40th chapter. And it's almost like an Old Testament and a New Testament. It is really very, very profound. In fact, the New Testament begins with the voice of one crying in the wilderness. You know that. John the Baptist. He wasn't a Baptist. They just called him John the Baptist because he did a lot of baptizing. John the Baptist opens the New Testament, really. The opening chapter of Isaiah chapter 40 reads, The voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. It is the prophetic word right there in Isaiah 40 that is fulfilled in John the Baptist. The book of Isaiah is, is profound. This passage follows one of the greatest Old Testament prophecies that there is. And that's Isaiah chapter 53. You say, what's so great about it, Pastor? Well, what's so great about it is it's written 700 years before Jesus was born. Einstein, that's what's so great about it. And we have the Dead Sea Scrolls to, to confirm that, that predate the birth of Christ as well. Isaiah 53, 11, let me read it to you. After the suffering of his soul, you'll see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. And we could go on to read the whole chapter of Isaiah 53, but it is rather profound. We've been justified by his righteous servant. His name is? Jesus. I'm sorry. His name is what? Jesus. Jesus. Amazing. A prophecy here, uh, really, of, of how God will cause Israel to flourish and to grow. There's metaphors used, and it's a metaphor being used here in Isaiah chapter 54. Sing, O barren, you who have not born. It's, it's using a metaphor. Let me tell you what a metaphor is, for those of you who don't know, right out of the dictionary. An application of word or phrase to somebody or something that is not meant literally but to make a comparison, for example, saying that someone is a snake. A snake, that would mean they're crafty or maybe even evil. I remember the first pastorate that I had away from the cathedral was on the island of Molokai, and I've shared the story before, and it's as true. True as a day is long. I went there fasting, praying, believing for a great outpouring. Molokai was, was one of the considered one of the most demonized islands in all of the Hawaiian island chain and uh, amazingly beautiful place but very different beaches are not the same most people don't go to Molokai for a Hawaiian holiday and it was the training ground uh, for all their uh, uh, kapunas and it has more heiaus which are altars basically 
in the Kapu system, more heiaus there than anywhere else. There's more human sacrifice on the island of Molokai than anywhere else. And they would sacrifice uh, male warriors, which is fascinating because in killing that male spirit, if you could just put it that way, there's more homosexuals there now than any other per capita anywhere else in all of the Hawaiian Islands. It was a very dark, very challenging place. And we could go on to tell you all the stories and but we're not going to give the devil credit. The good news is we have four churches there right now, now I believe. I was, had the honor of pastoring there uh, back in uh, 2001. And we went all fasted, lean, mean, ready to go, all our guns blazing, deeply loved and deeply hated as we preached the gospel, wrote newspaper articles. I mean, we were so, honestly... I was so afraid that we were going to get wiped out that I just shot every single bullet from the word that I had. We went crazy witnessing, praying. We did all kinds of outreaches, did everything we could. Pastor Christian, you came. You came several times, did an egg hunt, got your butt whipped in a mud wrestling contest. Anyway, it's amazing. Amazing time. Amazing. That's a long time ago. Hey Amen. No hard feelings, bro. truth is they whooped up on me of course there was like seven of them and uh, I took a beating and it was lots of fun nobody got hurt amen you have photos we could probably put them up now and laugh at pastor uh, but we're not going to do that <laughs> we really never had a breakthrough there until the Lord spoke to me and said what are you doing I said, I'm believing for breakthrough, Lord. He's like, we'll start eating. I'm like, what? Yeah, eat. I had knocked on a lot of doors up to that point, and nobody trusted me. Nothing went well. But it's Polynesia, and I'm, some of you don't know what that means. But if you don't eat, you should definitely not be trusted. That's just how that is. So I would knock on the door. I invited to, hi, I'm the new, hi, I'm the new pastor from King's Chapel. <laughs> and then they'd be like, oh, bruh. You're like, come in and eat some food. I'm like, oh, no, I'm fasting. You know, it just didn't work. So over the course of time, the Lord says, you need to eat. Talking about metaphors. I started to eat. The Lord told me every place you go, they invite you in to eat. So I went from a lean, mean 190, ripped, in great shape, to 240 in about a month and a half. That's the truth. And I remember getting off the boat. We took a, a, a ferry, the Molokai Ferry. I remember getting off the boat in a place called Lahaina, getting picked up by um, Pastor Alan Cravalho, still on our staff. Al Craval. <laughs> and I got off the boat, and his eyes are like this. And he says, oh, bruh, you a moak. Now... You don't know what that is, but I'm going to tell you what a moke is. A moke is a really big local guy. And a blala is a moke's moke. So we're teaching you some, we're teaching you, we're teaching you some pigeon. He didn't really mean I was a house. He said, you look like one. That's a metaphor. Okay. The metaphor he's using here is a woman with barrenness. Sing, O barren, you who have not born. 
In ancient Israel, here we're right in verse 1, sing, O barren, you who have not born. In ancient Israel, to be barren was, was an enormous load of shame. To be barren was to be considered cursed, clearly. To be barren was to be considered not blessed by God. To be barren was to be a disgrace. And here the Lord likens the captives of Israel to a barren woman who can now sing. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than the children who have one. He's saying, sing. Everybody say sing. Sing. The Babylonian captivity and the captivity, it's more than oppression. It It was a generation that was carried on into captivity because of sin. Their sin and the sin of their fathers. And it was an embarrassing, shameful thing. And they're feeling straight shame and embarrassment before the nations. We were brought into captivity because we turned from God, because we sinned. And so here Isaiah is giving them some good news. He's saying, oh, you might be, sh- be feeling shame right now. You might be desolate right now. Oh, you might be in captivity right now, but you might as well start singing because I'm about to do something that's going to blow the minds of everyone that sees it because you will have, you, you might be considered barren right now, but you will have more children and even those that can have children. That's what he says. It's this amazing prophetic word. Come on, somebody ought to say, God's increasing me. Goes on to say, expand your tents. Verse one and two, the same two sides of the same coin, with verse three as a promise. I want to just talk to you tonight, give you five things I see in this text that are going to cause you to go on to the next level with God. Five things, and I couldn't help but study this when I'm looking this over and studying it this afternoon. And be reminded of a prophetic word that Minister Jan gave us, and. In all honesty, you know, if you don't have a recording of a, of a prophetic word, it's, it's hard to recall exactly what was said. But I'll tell you, one of the things I know when I'm prophesied over, there's a ring. There's a, there's a resonance of something that takes place in my heart. And so, Minister Jan, while I was reading this, I felt that resonance. And uh, yeah, I don't know if you would you be able to bring that word right now in, its, in, in whatever form you have? Why don't we do that? I want you to hear this. Go ahead and just prophesy like you prophesied it those uh, year or two ago. I see across the nation this uh, canopy of material and for whatever reason it's blue and it's being stretched across the nation out of Alaska. And it's going to borders and boundaries of this nation. And then at those places, there are tent spikes being driven deep, deep into the land. And it's stretching over the land. And in those places, there are long since works that have been covered over. And God has called through Pastor Daniel and Pastor Karen's ministry a place to uncover wells that have been long covered over. And to bring back to life churches and moves of God that have been long silenced. That the, the wind and the refreshing of those is coming up from those deep places over the land. And that this is a time when the Lord, can I keep going to a new word? This is a time when the Lord says, I am beginning to send out. And though Pastor Daniel and Pastor Karen recognize and deeply appreciate that our children must be raised up in the ways of the Lord, 
God has called them for something else as well. He has called them to speak to the bones in the dry valley as Ezekiel spoke, that the church became infiltrated with this dross. And many, many people across this land in middle age and beyond, decades, 50-year-olds and 60-year-olds and 70-year-olds and 80-year-olds, they settled in churches with the love for God, but with a holy agitation deep inside of them an unsettledness that is this all there is God and as our pastor has been crying out Lord where are those missionaries the Lord says my son they are in the valley of dry bones and I have marked you to call them out to remove the dross from the church because I am doing a great awakening and I don't need to awaken the ones that aren't even yet asleep I am awakening an entire army out of this house and they will come from the north and the south they will be broken when they arrive and they will be victors and warriors and leaders when I send them out to drive down those tin pegs and they will do a work through this house and even in your early days when you're like God I don't feel that calling to the youth he said because my son I had a purpose higher than what you saw then and I am going to give you every tool and every resource to raise every generation in this house so Pastor Daniel as you say God where are they God says to you they are in the valley of dry bones and you will prophesy life over them and I prophesy now, I prophesy now over every dead place across this valley, across the state, even across the nation. Raise up an army from the dry bones, God. Raise them up in Jesus' name. We declare it thus and so. Come on, somebody shout to God. What a powerful, you could do a little bit better. What a powerful word. My God. And how appropriate that you would go out and this would be the day that you go out, we make the, plan, that make the declaration that you're leaving, end of August or so, drive the tent peg down, let's do it. The answer to the woes of barren America, and the truth is all of us, you, you can be faced with things that are barren in your life, and if you're honest, you might see a barrenness in your heart in some area God's plan is not for you to be barren. God's plan is not for you to remain barren. Do you know what I mean by that? It's like it reminds me of Jesus who the first miracle he does, I forget which gospel, but he goes in and there's a man with a withered hand. And he says, stretch forth your hand. And and we're like, we have these withered, barren places and the Lord's like, go ahead and sing. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make you fruitful. Go ahead and sing and I'm going to multiply you. Go ahead and sing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cause you to birth forth moves of God. Go ahead. Lift your voice and sing because more are the children of the desolate woman than the one that's married. It's amazing. It's like go ahead and stretch forth your hand. Okay. Your withered hand. What withered hand? Oh, that one. God wants you to acknowledge the fact that you've got barrenness, you've got maybe a withering, maybe you've got some issues, but if you'll learn to sing in God, I'm going to give you five points on how to walk into fruitfulness and blessing and see the kingdom of God expanded in your life. Very simple message out of Isaiah 54. Understand first, the first thing is, understand that 
Jesus died and rose again. If you don't understand that, then you're going to be barren the rest of your life. You don't get that right. I don't care if you get all the rest of them. You don't get that. Then you will remain barren. You'll remain broken. You'll remain in a barren, wasted, shame, disgrace-filled place. But that's not God's plan for you. God's plan for you is to sing and see a prophetic release of the harvest of the blessing of increase. Go to 1 John 2. And verse 3. So the first fundamental step is that you need to take in your life is you gotta, you got to get right with God. You've got to receive Jesus. You say, I have. I'm glad. Do it every day. Stay, stay in him. Abide in him. Let me give this to you. It's in the amplified version, so if it's a little bit loud, you'll forgive me. 1 John 2, 3. And this is how we know daily by experience that we've come to know him, to understand him and to be more deeply acquainted with him. If we habitually keep focused on his precepts and obey his commandments, teachings, whatever, whoever says I have come to know him but does not habitually keep focused on his precepts and obey his commandments, his teaching is a liar. Are all the youth listening to me? Are all the young adults listening? Are you listening? You can say you love Jesus, but if you're not focused on his commands, focused on his precepts, obeying his word, then you, what your definition of loving God is very different than what the scripture says. This is how we know those who love God. They'll obey his word. You said, that's kind of intense. Yeah, that's right. It is kind of intense. You think this is intense. Hell is way more intense. He's a liar and the truth is not in him, verse 5. But whoever habitually keeps his word and obeys his precepts and treasures his message in its entirety, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. It is complete and it has reached maturity. And by this we know for certain that we're in him. Whoever says he lives in Christ, that is, whoever says he has accepted him as God and Savior, ought as a moral obligation to walk and conduct himself just as he walked, just as he, Jesus, walked and conducted himself. Did you catch that? So when you're born again, when you receive Jesus, there are, that starts the process of sanctification, of daily reckoning your personal death to your flesh, but alive to Christ and learning and growing in him, obeying his word, meditating on his precepts, meditating on his teachings. And it goes on to say in the amplified version, as he conducted himself, if you really love God, you've really been born again, then you begin to conduct yourself in the same way. So that's number one. If you don't have that, then you're going to stay barren. Number two, for those of you that are taking notes, realize you may be barren. I've kind of said that already, but we all got issues. We all have issues. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've got issues. Go ahead. Tell your other neighbor you have issues. You're like, I know. I know you do. Single people have issues. Married people have issues. Men here have issues. Women have issues. Little boys, little girls, we all have issues. Aren't you glad that, that God helps us and takes us right where we're at? Let 
Maybe you're barren in ministry. Maybe you're barren on your job. Maybe you feel like you're spinning your wheels and wasting your time. Parable of the fig tree in Luke chapter 13, verse 6. I'm going to read it to you. Then he told this parable, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And so he went and looked for it, looked for fruit on it, but did not find any. Verse 7 of Luke 13. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Verse 8, sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then I'll cut it down. Cut it down. Your life is supposed to be fruitful. I planted these beautiful shrubs in front of my house. And it's like every other one flourished and the ones in between died. I'm trying to get the prophetic significance out of it. I can't quite find any. I'm just going to rip them out of the ground and put on new ones. I prayed. I watered. I laid hands on them. They're dead. They're, they're dead. So I call. I mean, I just got them. I just planted them at the end of last season going into winter. They told me they were going to live. I did everything I was supposed to do. I called the... You know, I called the, um, the nursery that I got the plants from. You know, maybe there's a guarantee or something. They said, well, it's been a hard winter. I said, yeah, I know. It was, but I'm like, yeah, it was a hard winter. They said, well, dig around and fertilize it. If it doesn't come back, then I guess they're dead. I'm like, okay. Some of you need to be dug around and fertilized. What's the King James dung it? Let's have a praise break. Won't you just say, thank you, Jesus. Help me. Throw some dung on me, Lord. Fertilize me. You don't hear any songs about that, do you? You don't hear too many songs about being pruned. Oh, God, take your shears and just lop me off, God. Just prune me, God. Yes. But he's the loving, the loving Heavenly Father that will prune you because he cares for you. Our lives are supposed to be fruitful. And yet we have things that contradict or mock even. I've had things in my life over the years that were just like, when, when can I turn this around? When, when, Lord, God, has anybody had a, like something that's been broken or barren for years? You're like, in the name of Jesus. Listen, don't you ever give up hope declaring, speaking, prophesying, praying over your kids? Okay, they've been wandered from the Lord for 10 or 15 years. Don't quit. God didn't quit on you. And he never will. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. However, you can leave him or forsake him. John 15, I've appointed you to bear fruit and fruit that remains. But we all still have places of barrenness and they need to be confronted and they need to be brought before the Lord. And I think the key is, is you know, after you give your life to Christ, continue to walk in him, learn his word, learn his precepts, ask to be more like him, change him. And when you have barrenness, be honest with it, bring it to God and say like, I don't want this anymore and, and learn to be, be honest. And then Make a prophetic proclamation. I want you to learn to prophesy over stuff. I did it in front of the building when the wind from hell was blowing and ripping my face off 100 miles an hour being pushed across the ice with my son behind me. 
thinking, I'm sure dad's lost his ever-loving mind because nobody should be outside in front of this thing right now. But when I realized there was a devil trying to take our building, I thought, I have power. I am walking in God. I'm living right. Get your, get out. In the name of Jesus, I said, what God started, you can't stop. And I prophesied and prayed, you need to speak over the barren places. Speak over that which is barren. Come on, do you know why, ladies, do you know why you have a womb? Would you like to know? I'm going to tell you. It's for more than hormones, somebody give them praise. Wombs are for producing offspring. The purpose of a womb is to bring forth children. That's why. So literally, you are supposed to be a womb, if you will, for God. That God's supposed to birth things, vision through you, supposed to bring his kingdom through you. God wants to use you. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Apart from me, a man can do nothing. That means even though you might be doing something that you think is something, if it's apart from God, it's really nothing. Did you catch that? Let me run it through one more time. If you're doing something apart from God that seems like you're doing something, really, it's a big nada. That's Spanish for nothing. Come on, lift your hands to heaven and say, oh, I'm going to bear forth fruit. Make a prophetic proclamation. Sing. Sing. Oh, yeah, I don't feel like I'm singing. I'm barren. I don't want to sing. I don't feel like singing. Who cares what you feel like? Would you like to have a child? Do you understand what I'm telling you? If you're constantly yielding to your feelings. See, that's one of the problems I think we have. We, walk, we don't walk by faith. We walk by sight. Did you hear what I said? God wants us to walk by faith, but actually you walk by sight. So if you feel good, oh. <laughs> Do not post that. I caught you. So if you feel good, then you're going to have a good day. If you, you feel strong, that, that would make you then strong. I've felt strong and been actually weak. And I've been weak and been at my strongest. In fact, the Bible says something about that. When we're weak, we're strong. Learn to sing and proclaim prophetically over your life what God said he's going to do no matter how you feel. It has nothing to do with it. What has everything to do with it is what God said. What did God say? What is the word of God over you? What is the word? What is the word? Right out of scripture over your health, over your life, over your finances, over your family. Learn to speak it. Well, I just don't. Stop that. I, I don't know. I have so many doubts. Doubt your doubts. Stop it. Listen, you need to treat thoughts that are contrary to scripture like a devil. No. No. I take them. You rebuke them. Make a prophetic proclamation, declaration. There's got to come a realization in your life that Christ in you is bigger than anything on the outside of you. You must come to that belief. You must come to realize that. Jesus in you is bigger than any problem. If Jesus came to your house tonight, said he already is in my house. Okay, okay, but follow the illustration. If Jesus came to your house tonight, tonight, you went home, and he went with you, and there he was. 
Would you have any more problems? You might have problems, but he would just solve them. He'd heal them. He'd do whatever he does. He'd do his Jesus thing, right? Newsflash. Jesus lives on the inside of you. He's given you his word. He's given you his spirit. He's given you everything you need for life and godliness. So you don't have to wait for Jesus to come into your house. He's come into your heart. You are his house. Learn to step forward and push that thing back. Rebuke it. Make prophetic decrees. The the next thing I see here is, is to take steps or take steps of faith or steps of action. Mark 11, 24. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ye so desire, King James... When you pray, believe that you'll have them, and you shall have them. This text goes on to say, to stretch out, to stretch forth, enlarge the place of your tent. But wait, I'm barren. No, you're not barren anymore, but I don't see the baby yet. You still sing, and now obey me. Now obey. Enlarge. Why? Because you're going to, they're coming. What? It's coming. The ones you proclaimed, you see you're singing. I'm no longer barren. The children are coming. Extent, it's steps of faith. Steps of faith. If you never take steps of faith, then you're never going to move into the next thing that God has for you. Well, I'm scared. Do it afraid, honey. Step forward. That's how we've done everything here. That's how we do it. We get a vision. We get a word. We feel like we're barren, we sing, we proclaim, we take steps of faith. That's all we do. What's going to happen when you get down? Where's the worship leader? Who's going to do the youth? God called me down to Tucson. Amen. So do you think he's going to... I don't even... I'm talking to somebody else. I'm going to talk to somebody I already know. I already know. He already knows. It's going to happen. Come on, somebody say it's going to happen. It's going to happen. What's going to happen? Write it down. Talk about it. What's God going to do in your business? What's God going to do in your house? What's God going to do in your family? What's God going to do in your marriage? You're not married yet. I, know, I don't think I needed to tell you that. but What's God going to do? We will be ministering to 10,000 people in this valley. Well, I'm going to say it again. We will be ministering to 10,000 people in this valley weekly. That's really not that much. There's 100,000. So what, there, there's a lot more room for a lot more. I pray that people plant churches all over the place as long as they're healthy. If they're not, I pray they close. Come on, smile at me. That's kind of an aggressive statement. Take steps of faith. Stretch. Everybody say Stretch. Stretch. You know, stretch marks. Are a sign of the next generation. You say, well, I'm not a woman. Well, I'm not not talking to you. Stretch marks are a sign that you've birthed something. He said, well, I don't have any stretch marks. Perfect. I have that elastic skin, and then I got that stuff, that cream I rubbed all over. And it just was really great. Really, really, really good. No stretch. Well, great. Good for you. Praise God. Stretch, stretch. Everybody say stretch. Look at Luke 5. I, I, I want to say, don't make your goal to be comfortable. 
Oh, well, I don't want to really stretch. I don't want to really stretch. And you're never going to do anything. You're never going to birth anything. If you never get out of the boat, you never, you never do what God called you to do, then, then what? You ride in your couch of apathy and load another game on your Xbox 360. And, and so you're like, you know, this victorious warrior in some cyberland, but you ever never really... That's hysterical. Did you never really live it out in your day-to-day life? I mean, praise God, you could be in Cyberville and win, bring home the flag and build some nice thing and stuff. I think you can be used by God. And we have a whole life group that does it, praise God. But it's got to be played out in your life. And if you never stretch, you never stretch. You never reach out. You never move beyond your comfort zone. You'll never see anything happen for God. Luke 5, verse 4. When he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out of the deep and let your nets down for a catch. But Simon answered and said, Master, I'm a fisherman. You're a carpenter. I'm definitely not doing that. Okay? Okay? I'm reading a little bit into the text. He said, we fished all night. God, you guys looking at me like I just blasphemed or something. Okay, let's read it exactly like it is. Here we go. But Simon answered and said, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, we'll let down the net. And when he had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. If Simon Peter did not participate in what he thought was insane, and, and he fished all night. I've, I've fished all night. I've cleaned nets. I've done the last thing you want to do. I've done long lining, tub gear and all that. And after you put all of that away, let me just say, the last thing you want to do is let out your, let out your line when there's no fish, okay? You know, you're gonna, you'd be excited and fired up to let out the line when there is fish. You're like, yes, they're running, there's jumpers, let's let out the net, let's do it. But when you know there's no fish, it's pretty much like stupid. I just work, clean my gear, it's all put up, why would I do that? That's the, I'm, I'm telling you what he's thinking. It says it all sweet and stuff in the Bible. We toiled all night, Master. It's, you know, it's, some people think it's Elizabethan English. Yea, ye Lord, we toiled all night. Nevertheless. Wait, no, believe me, he's like. Okay. Okay, Jesus. You know, he's got this massive crowd and he heard about him as the Messiah. Okay. You all right? Felt the Holy Ghost for a second. And he lets down the net. It was, it was a stretch for him. If you're going to move forward in God, you're going to see barrenness bro- broken off. You need to receive Jesus, right? You need to, you need to make a prophetic pl- proclamation. You need to take steps of faith. Stretch. If it's not a stretch, it's not a step of faith. If it's not beyond... If it's not beyond your, you know, outside of your comfort zone, it probably is not a step of faith. You get involved in the vision. You get involved in doing what God called you to do. Get involved in serving. Get involved in helping with King's Kids. Get involved in helping with these different programs. You say, I don't like that. I don't want to do that. I know maybe you should get past yourself, you narcissist. Still not feeling the love. I'm going to go back here again. Amen, pastor. If the shoe fits, wear it. It's all about me. You should do things my way. That's not what the song says. 
Don't yield to fear and selfishness. And this is this right here. Enlarge the, plant, the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. That's fascinating. Everybody say, don't spare. It's a picture of fear. It's a picture of holding back. It's a picture of, well, <laughs> jump. Now, okay. It's a pretty safe jump. No, really jump. That's still a sparing jump. If I was going to really jump, I'd probably rip my tight shirt. When you're not sparing, it's everything you have. Did you know there's a whole technique to jumping? Did you know that? Did you know that you might not have any hops, basketball term, and there's a whole, there's a, there's a whole technique for how to spring forward and, and get height. Did you know that? You know the same thing is true in the kingdom? Did you know you, you can learn? You get near people that know how to jump, they can teach you how to jump. We've been jumping for years. you got to learn to give it everything you got. So, listen, half, the, the, the big book, the blue book, the big book says half measures availed us nothing. If you're really going to get a breakthrough, no half measure is going to do anything. Well, I'm trying to help you guys. Verse 2. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the cords. Do not spare. Lengthen the cords or increase your cords. Increase. It's a picture to me. It's a picture of made of relationships. Where do you get that? Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 12. Though one may be overpowered, two can, can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily or quickly broken. A cords is a picture. It's a picture of, to me, of being, many times ropes has three strands, or there's different kinds of line. I remember being on a boat. My, my grandfather was a boat builder, built a 40-foot ocean-going vessel in the backyard of his house in Brooklyn. With, he was an engineer, a very unusual man, and, and uh, to get the boat out, they had to break down a brick wall to bring this boat out, and they launched it. It was called the Merrimack, after my mother, whose name is Mary. Mary Mack, Mary McCall was the name. And he told me, if you ever called a piece of line on the, on the vessel, on the boat, rope, you're in serious trouble. I don't know what the sailing thing is with that. Do we have any sailors here? All right, if you call line on a vessel, rope, you're out. So I guess it's a big deal. A threefold strand is a picture of, a, of being braided together, a picture of cord being woven together. A three, you know, when you're, this is the beauty of, it's the beauty of kings, really. Oh, you're going, but you're not going anywhere. You ain't going anywhere. You just go, you're going to, we're setting another tent peg out there. Amen. I remember years ago when you first came, we, we came to Maui for the very first time. We were sitting in the green room with all the pastors. I know I could point to the place where you were because it made such an impact. You sat down, I believe, on the ice chest. It was filled with drinks and you were weeping. I said, What's going on? He said, I have wanted this my whole life. And what this is, is deep abiding covenant relationship that will jump in and beat the fool at anything that comes over your fence. And together, we can do great things for God. There's this, this covenant relationship. If you need, you need to expand 
your cords. You need to increase your relationships. The woman who ran, who, who, who had no more oil and had, she, she was going to go and she was collecting some sticks to go home to make a fire, to bake some bread for her, for her sons and die because the creditors were coming. The prophet comes and says, um, make that cake for me. And go get all the vessels. Go get as many vessels as you can from all your neighbors. I don't know. Are you friends with your neighbors? I'm, I'm friends with my neighbors. He said, I hate the face of my neighbor. You need to get over it. You need to pray for them. You need to build relationships with your neighbors. We've, we've taken time to increase our, our relationships. If all you do is have relationships in the house, that's not God's plan. How are you gonna influence people if you don't have relationships outside? You meet people every day at Tesoro. You meet people every day at Cars, at Fred Myers. Work at lengthening your relationships. Reach to people. Oh, I would to God that I'd give my heart to Jesus when I was a, t- a teenager. I had to go through hell and end up in a handbasket before I came out. Thank God for the mercy of God. Can you imagine if we could just reach more people? Oh, somebody say, Lord, help me. Increase your cords or lengthen your cords. A picture of relationships. It's a picture of unity. Strengthen your stakes. You know, there's going to come storms. Do you see that? Verse 2, latter part. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. Everybody say, strengthen your stakes. There was a book, I think his name was Danny Lehman. He was the evangelist for YWAM in the 90s. And he wrote a book, he was a runner, and he, and he wrote a book called Before You Hit the Wall. And there is a thing that takes place in marathoners that they train to run through. It's called hitting the wall. And when you're running, you get, now, I don't know, I've never done a marathon. I've hit walls other ways, but not like that. When you're running, you... you you just run out of energy, you run out, and, and everything within you tells you, stop running, quit. And you have to have trained yourself to run through the wall. And sometimes there's a second wind, and other times you just have to grit it out and finish. And marathoners will tell you about that. I wanna let you know something here. Y'all listening to me? Every, every man, every woman, every child, single people, married people, y'all listening, listen. You're gonna go through some stuff. I'm telling you right now, that's not very nice. You're already in a storm. There is a trouble headed your way. But if you'll stay in God and you'll strengthen, you strengthen your stakes. In other words, when the wind blows, I'm not going to, I don't have to worry about the economy. I am not worried about the economy. I am connected with the one who owns it all. I'm not worried. I refuse to, what are we going to do? Vote, number one. Number two, I'm not going to worry. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to empower. I'm going to give. I'm going to serve. I'm going to trust God, the one who snatched me like a stick from the fire. He ain't going to let me drown. He's going to bring us through. You don't have to worry about Oh, do you hear about the recession? Shut up. There's no recession in heaven. Well, that's not very, that's not very practical. You're right. I'm not practical at all. I'm a man of God. I'm full of faith. How about you? We're going to do what God called us to do. We're going to be good stewards. We're going to, we're going to be wise and we're going to strengthen our stakes. What does that mean, strengthen your stakes? You figure it out what it means for you. You pray and obey. 
That's the key. Receive the promise. Verse 3. Worship team. Here's the promise. For you shall expand to the right and to the left. And your descendants will inherit the nations. Make the desolate cities inhabited. That's the promise. That's the promise. Receive the promise. Receive the promise. This is really like a blueprint for walking in prophetic destiny and purpose, even though you feel weak and anemic, like you can't make it. You're right. You can't make it. But with God, oh, you can do all things with Him. Sing, even though you feel barren, even though you feel weak. Lift your voice and declare, Lord, I'm going to have some children, yes. I'm going to fulfill promises, destiny, and purpose. Oh, you with, me, you with me is a majority. Come on, somebody say, God with me is a majority. God with me is a majority. Let God's Word be declared and proclaimed in your life. Just because you don't feel like it is irrelevant. Do it anyway. Do it anyway. Do the right thing. Dr. Morocco, I think the year was 20, 2005, but we could look it up. We had started works in New Zealand. I've shared this before. We went down there, Pastor Phil went there. I was looking at going to New Zealand and taking over that work, but for various reasons, the Lord led us other ways. Dr. Morocco was gonna go down and, and have a, a belong class. So we gathered all the people of the belong class. There was about 50 people. They gathered, it's gonna be a brand new extension in New Zealand. We gathered everybody, taught the class. They ate a wonderful dinner. I'm sure they had lamb because there's more, there's more sheep than people in New Zealand. And gave the opportunity for who wanted to participate or be part of King's Cathedral and Chapels and make a covenant commitment to serve and be a part of it. One person, only one. Because the rest had other places they went and they didn't really, they didn't really, they just they didn't want to really commit. They just wanted somewhere to go on Sunday. I will never forget the staff meeting after that meeting that Dr. Morocco had. Dr. Morocco had, had that meeting. He said, we're not opening New Zealand. I said, well, we said, well, why not? He said, because there's no one there who wants to commit to do it. I said, okay. He says, if you don't have committed people who are willing to, to stand and lengthen the cords and strengthen the stakes and do what God called us to do, then, then he didn't say that, but I'm tying it into the message, okay? Then, then, then don't do that. And he said, pastors, listen to me. It's emblazoned on my heart. He said, listen to me. You do the right thing. Always do the right thing. If people don't like it, this is what he said. They can cram it. Now, I'm not sure what cram it means. I'm not sure. Do the right thing. Always do the right thing. If people don't like it, oh well. That's how we do church here. I don't think you should preach if not. Well, too late. It's a good thing I don't report to you. Do the right thing. 
God is bringing a great release of promises. Your children, your children's children, should the Lord tarry. Come on, lift your hands. Come on, lift your hands. God's stretching out His glory, releasing His power. He's doing amazing things in our midst. God, we, we come before you tonight. We receive the word. Lord, we, we lift up to you our barren places. Come on, you begin to talk to God about that place in you that's barren. Maybe you're bound. Maybe, maybe you have an issue that's controlling you, a life-controlling problem. I don't know what place in you is barren, but every one of us feel weak in some place or another. Come on, lift that up to the Lord and begin to prophesy the opposite to that. I'm just so timid. I, I'm just afraid to lift my voice. Then start prophesying, I have boldness. I have courage. God's with me. I don't need to be afraid. It doesn't matter if I'm rejected, I'm accepted by God. That's the opposite to a spirit of timidity. I've not been given a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, sound mind. I'm not gonna shrink back. I am not of the kind that shrink back into destruction. I don't quit. Even though you might be a lifetime quitter, you're now a Christian. You're not a quitter. Change your name. I don't quit. I finish. Oh, you might be somebody that's never finished anything in your whole life. Maybe you have no revelation of authority. Maybe you don't know who you are. I get it. Start declaring the, the truth of God's word over your life. I'm going to make it. I'm going to fulfill destiny and purpose. God's with me. The greater one lives on the inside of me. Oh. A thousand may fall at my right side, 10,000 at my left, but it will not come nigh my dwelling. I've got courage. I've got faith. God's with me. I'm a world changer. Jesus lives on the inside of me. Oh, thank you, Lord. When I speak and when I pray, you incline your ear and miracles are released. I have more than enough anytime I need it because you own a cattle on a thousand hills. You're the father of heavenly lights in whom there's no shadow of turning. I am yours and you are mine. I am grafted in. I've been adopted. I've been washed. I've been cleansed. My sin is thrown as far as the east is from the west. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone and the new has come. I can make it. I've been anointed and chosen and appointed to bear forth fruit and fruit that remains. I'll not listen to the naysayer. I'll not listen to the voice of opposition and discouragement. I've been set on fire by the Holy Spirit and I will fulfill what you called me to do. I will not back off. I will not shut up. I will give. I will pray. I will fast. I will decree. I will proclaim. Oh, in the name of Jesus, God's with me. Who can be against me? Come on, somebody. Stand up on your feet all across this place. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.